All right, let's get out to the sprint. What? Nothing? You're not even going to respond to that? Well, we have a guest waiting. And it's a very important guest at that. Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line, Sprint. They make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. The radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. Hi, David. Okay, so I have not followed the NCAA story very well. I know the O'Bannon lawsuit, and I know some of it. Please, each of you give me your case, and I'll decide. Gordon, you want to go first, or you want me to? Oh, okay, I'll just, I'll just summarize it this way. For some reason, Jake has glommed onto this glorification of excuse amateurism. Excuse me, excuse me, clarification. I don't need personal attacks. I just need facts. Okay, <laughs> Thank you, David. Yes, Gordon, <laughs> keep this. Let's not make this personal. Okay, so Jake is in love with amateurism. The definition of, of amateurism that has been defined, in, at least clearly in his mind, and I am more, I side on the side of the athletes and think there could be some middle ground to allow them some opportunity to get gain that is objectionable to Jake. I think there's value in amateurism, and I think that the argument that athletes don't get a return for playing sports is ludicrous. And uh, I think what they, basically what they did today, David, is they open up kind of rules where you can benefit off your likeness, but they withheld some stuff like uh, the shoe and apparel money, which they can't benefit off of, which is just complete hypocrisy. But it just comes down to the value and if you believe in amateur athletics or not. And this is the NCAA kind of opening the door, but not really. So I'm going to take a little bit of a different angle on this okay okay if i am a uh, flutist at ucla and i have an opportunity and i play for the ucla symphony you know the school and i do their theater productions but i also have a chance to be a part of a movie i can do it right uh yeah if I'm a flutist at UCLA, are there any limits on my hours of practice? Uh, I don't know. Doubt it. And if I'm a flutist, can I major in music? You can. Why can't a basketball player do that? Why can't a basketball player use their sporting ability outside of while still participating for the team in a manner to make money? Why can't a basketball player practice as many hours as they want to and as they'd like to? And why can't they major in basketball? I agree with you on that last point. I think you should be able to major in athletics. I 100% agree with that. But is your flautist uh, you know, practicing with the orchestra all that time? I would guess that that's limited. I mean, a college athlete can certainly go to the you know, 24-hour fitness and get up shots. So I don't know if that that directly correlates, and and can the if the flautist records music with the orchestra from the university, can that flautist make money off of it privately? I don't think so. Right, but a player really probably can't do anything that they're doing playing for UCLA either, right? And by the way, I'm glad to know that you know it's a flautist instead of a flutist, which I didn't even know. So just call me the freaking dummy here. But um, yeah, I mean, I just think. I've said this, like this whole G League thing that's going on, which is really not G League either, by the way. They're like, they're not playing in the G League. They're on some G League, like, developmental team that plays international and exhibition games. They're not actually playing in the G League. Um, 
But I've always said, if I had a top 20 prospect, I'd never let them go to college. Because, like, they, they're, first, they're, you're not going to, you know, in that case, when you're one and done, you're not even going to college. But two, it's like the whole thing is set up against you. Everything. You're not allowed to get as good as you want to get. You're not allowed to profit off it. You're not, I mean, you have to, like, major in basketball. Like, frankly, none of us, like, what was your major, Jake? Communication. Okay, so you're like the one person out there using their major. Like, I was a sociology, <laughs> political science major. Like, and why, if you want to major, in, why can't they major in basketball? They could learn about nutrition and strength and conditioning and coaching and all sorts of things. Like, there's a there's an absolute curriculum to that. I like, why not? That. I agree with that 100%. Why not? How, how do you so feel, So there just David, needs to be a fundamental shift in which the system is built for the athlete instead of the school. How or, do you feel or the about, athlete about inside the school. Yeah, how do you feel about an athlete uh, gaining uh, money, filthy lucre, for his likeness? So who else is gaining the money for his likeness? Everybody else. What's my other choice? My other choice is that everybody else but him? Um, yes, do you want to put it in a trust that in some fashion he doesn't re- get until he's out of college. I'm not sure why you should restrict that in any way, but we could discuss that if there's some value to that. But I still don't see why he shouldn't, he or she shouldn't get the right to it. Jake? Um, well, where does that value come from? Does it come from their performance on the field or does it become from their involvement with the university? Because you could make an argument that how worthwhile would that college athlete, what, what would his likeness and what would his brand be worth if he was playing AAA basketball in Laramie, Wyoming? Nothing. Well, he didn't get asked to play in Laramie, Wyoming. He got asked to play in UCLA. And if he's playing in Laramie, Wyoming, he's not going to get anything more than the circled flying J truck stop sponsorship because right. that's all there is. In so so who generates the value in that case then? The player? Well, the kid, the sophomore in high school in in Michigan who just won player of the year as a sophomore, he's creating his own value right now. And he's one person. We're talking about a whole system. We're going to uproot the whole system for one player or a handful of players that actually are worth more than what they generate or are worth well, more the, than what they take Well, I in? think the you know, on that idea, then the market speaks. If there really aren't, if you're true that there's not that many players that have that much value, then the market will speak it. Well, and then that I mean, player shouldn't go to play college. Then don't go. But Jake, no one's forcing you, know, you to you go. Know, you know, it's more than a handful. It's not more than a handful. It's like Jimmer, yes, it Johnny Manziel, Magic Johnson, and that's like it. No, Fine. there are a lot. Fine, then Johnny Manziel and Magic Johnson, and the market will speak. Oh, listen to me, being a conservative here. Let the free market speak. <laughs> if the left guard at Texas A&M does not have any value more than he gets his scholarship and he goes to classes and he should be allowed to major in football and be able to practice and go to the weight room as much as he wants and he should be able to do it, have freedoms that every other student at the school has and if he has no outside likeness value then that's fine then he doesn't get a sponsorship at the local Marie calendars but the running back does what about the booster who owns the local Marie calendars who says hey give me, I'll give you half a million dollars for that autograph all you have to do is play for my university good for the kids it's already happening. Like, come on, be honest. Yeah, but this come just, on, you watch the NFL draft, right? It basically makes it legal, though, and it be, it will give the the haves much more of an advantage. Than oh, the so there's the real issue. There, you just revealed the. I was wondering how long it was going to take for you to actually reveal the issue. The issue is that you're not worried about the athletes. You're worried about competitive balance for your schools that aren't in Southern California or aren't in major markets that might not have as much. That, that, 
that's the oh so we're worried about that but we're not the athlete oh i'm i'm worried about competitive balance of college sports sure why not what's wrong with that that's fine but are you you're, so that should punish the athlete for that you you see this is you and gordon are on the same page on this because gordon used the word blame earlier the the student athlete is not being punished not being punished in any way, shape, or form. They get tax-free okay, room and board. They get tax-free education. No, they get that. food and facilities. All that stuff matters. Health care. All that stuff they're costs be- a ton of money, and they're getting it tax-free. Sure. And they're being denied. So the, those that are capable of getting more are being denied that because you're worried about competitive balance. A minute ago, you said it was so few players. Why does it matter? Uh, well, I guess I'm I'm valuing more an opportunity for a player that wouldn't follow into that category, I guess. Yeah, I'm valuing that player that can get themselves into a better life situation because they take advantage of a college education and a profile that comes with playing college sports. But a minute ago, you just told me there's only Johnny Manziel and Magic Johnson and very few people that do this. Right. And by the way, I didn't see those people going to small schools anyway. They were all going to the Alabamas and the LSUs and the Texas A&Ms and the SECs and the UCLA for the world anyway, those marquee athletes. So it's not a competitive balance. We have a competitive balance problem now that the marquee schools get the marquee players now. It's not actually going to change anything. It's going to make it worse. And you just told me it's so very few players that are involved. Why deny those very few players while allowing every other player to get the benefits you're talking about? I didn't say very few players were involved. I said very few players were actually worth it. If we were talking about somebody's market value, then maybe I'd come along with you, but we're not. We're talking about an excuse to bribe a player. So who whose market are you trying to protect? Are you trying to protect the boosters from overpaying for no, young athletes no, no, no. who don't deserve that money? Who uh, are you trying to protect? I'm saying the, the labor rules in this country are, are set up as such that we create exceptions to circumvent the rules, and, and amateurism is one of those exceptions. Just like the NBA draft is one of those exceptions because it's collectively bargained. In, in normal business function, you couldn't tell somebody where to go work. That's ridiculous. But you, you make exceptions and you create these rules – and amateurism is one of those rules. And if you if there's a crack in the dam and you say this is illegal, this is antitrust, you've got to pay these guys, well then college sports goes away. And I don't want to see that and call me selfish, but yeah, I'm selfish. I don't want to see college sports go anywhere. Middle, I think a lot of middle, people benefit. Jake, there's middle ground here. Come on. College sports is not going away from this. Come on now. But I admire your ability to take the argument to the extreme. It's a good tactic. <laughs> Well, we're already headed down that road, so we'll see wait, how it goes, wait, wait. I guess. This has been one of my favorite segments that we've ever done. Thank you, David. I appreciate it. All right, your, so can I share? Actually, Jake, I'm going to get really deep and philosophical here. All right. So uh, I do have another little venture on the side of a podcast network, and I'm trying to manage a staff through COVID-19, and it's not really one who's schooled, and I'm a play-by-play announcer, not a CEO. I don't really know how to do this. And so I was, had, we had a big call yesterday with a huge amount of staff, and I just was sharing with all of them that my feeling of what's lacking right now, and you guys probably don't have this, which is really fortunate about your job, what's lacking right now is sparks. That through your daily, regular life, when you move through a day, you touch different people at different times, and sometimes it could be at the grocery store, and sometimes it could be at the coffee shop, and sometimes it could be seeing someone you didn't expect to see, and sometimes it's the water cooler at the office, and you get a spark. Somebody, somebody says something, somebody sparks a thought, somebody makes you laugh, you make somebody else laugh, and you get a little kinetic energy from that, and 
And that's what I think we're all lacking right now is that spark that we get in our days. It gives us an extra thought or gives us a different point of view or gives us something else that we'd have otherwise. And so I want to thank you because you just gave me my spark for the day. Okay. Hey, glad we can help. That's why we're here. You help us every single week, David. Glad we could help you in return. And by the way, I would encourage everybody, the uh, Locked On Podcast Network, check it all out. And, uh, David, I know you've worked very, very hard on that, and this is uh, tough times for a lot of business owners and people who run businesses, and our best to you and yours, man. Good for you. Are you trying to imply that you think having 140 sports podcasts in a sports environment with no sports is not the greatest business model you've ever heard of? Is that what you're saying, Jake? No, no, no. I'm saying, David, I bet it's a challenge. That you and your staff are up for. No, no, in all honesty, sympathies, because it can't be easy, my man, so I'm glad you're I would like to uh, actually just, I'll share, and then we can move on to if there's anything else you want to talk about. So tribute to our NFL host. They did have the draft, but they've been plugging through, and we set an all-time record, had almost a million listens last week on the NFL channel. Wow. That's great. That's terrific. So a little good news. I'll, I'll make a prediction, David. At no other time in your life will you have a season where you go without sports. It will never happen again. Um, here's a really interesting one I was telling someone about today. So I'm a believer that we're going to – I'm very optimistic that we're going to play basketball and then, then we'll start in December next year. So that's kind of been my thought. So, But I'm not very optimistic about college football. Like I'm kind of like it, about 10% chance of college football getting off. Like I thought USC's little news note yesterday was really, really important that they've canceled both their summer sessions so that no kids are on campus until at least late August. Like, well, they're supposed to play a football game somewhere in there. So, like, how you bring – I think, you know, on this whole conversation, if we, if we want to see truly how corrupt college sports are when they suddenly say, hey, we don't think the campus is safe for students, but the football team, we need you to come back right now so we can get our revenue going, like, that's going to be a telling moment in this process. Um, so – the NBA goes and plays in December, moves their schedule to get away from football, tries this as a sample to see how it works when they suddenly aren't competing with the NFL and they're competing with Major League Baseball instead, and then college football decides to start their season on March 15th. <laughs> right in the middle of that sample. College football plays March, April, and May. I heard someone's opinion yesterday, David, that if there is no college football, there it will absolutely devastate uh, college uh, athletics around the country. I think uh, we've already seen universe. We've seen some schools use excuses right now, but I think then you'll see some legitimate. You know, University of Cincinnati already cut their soccer program. Yeah, no, it would be uh, uh, the, the the college athletic model is propped up. In an, you know, it's a, it's not a business model that any of us would invest in because it's. Too prop, too top heavy, and propped up by football, and so yeah, you lose, you lose that, you're in trouble. But yeah, there's plenty of money out there to pay these guys, right? Well, you got to have free, free. No, wait, 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 wait. That was Jake. Jake, <laughs> yes. don't try that with me. We're not talking about the colleges paying these guys. We're talking about outside sources I know, paying them. So, I know, I couldn't resist. So, okay, well, don't. I mean, come on. You're married to a lawyer. She would tell you that those are damaging things to do in front of the jury when you just let the little pop shot that's not part of your plan. Stay on target. Oh, stay on point. That's good advice. Well, hey, elaborate on the on the December thing you were talking about because I've heard a little bit about that too. That maybe if if the playoffs can be salvaged, you bump back next year and you try to play catch up. That maybe could last a couple of years, right? So, two part take. So my take is, 
one is that the primary thing that I think the NBA office is worried about is the 2020-2021 season as much as they're worried about this one. And how do you make that the most normal season you can have for fans' experience and revenue? And the, the, the way to do that is you start as late as possible. So we could start, I think, as late as December 18th or so, maybe even December 25th. But I, I would argue you probably want the week before that. So if you start then in this process, then that, I think, takes you to having training camp somewhere around the Monday after Thanksgiving. You back that up. It takes you to about September 29th or so is the last day you could play the finals. And so why I'm optimistic that we're going to play this year and finish up the season is because of the fact that we will – it, you have enough runway to do it. I don't think the NHL has that same runway. Major League Baseball can't really be having the World Series in Christmas, you know, in the snow in December. So they're going to have to truncate. NHL, I don't think, has the capability of pushing back. Then part two of it is that I do think that the NBA has been really – it's, you know, three about five days before COVID at the Sloan Conference in Boston, the owner of the Atlanta Hawks put out a paper discussing how you should move the NBA schedule – back starting in December, running through August, and uh, not competing with any football. You know, at the time I read that, my thought at the time was, there's no way an owner of the NBA puts out a paper like that without approval. Right? You can't have an owner of your one of your franchises putting it out there without somebody saying, yeah, that's interesting, at least worth a thought. So it's clearly something that's been talked about. The more you've heard about it at the time, it was something that was very legitimately people thought had value. The question is, the key question is whether you can have enough TV audience in July and August when everybody's in the summer or whether or not you'd kill your TV ratings and the networks wouldn't do it. Well, I think the networks are baseball's such a bad ratings game right now that I think the TV networks would love to have July and August coverage. So therefore, Let's try it and see what happens and start late December, go to August and see if that works for the league as the new schedule away from football. If it doesn't work and it's too late, then I think you can go move it back. The, you know, you can start working your way back over the years the other way. So that's, that's the analysis there. So, David, if the season does get finished up, what form will it take? You know, that is unknown. There's a weird story in The Athletic the other day about, like, well, the Warriors figure they're not having to play. And maybe the Warriors are right, but I sure like the fact that now the Warriors are 16 and 50. They don't think they have to play anymore. Like, um, Jesus, you know. Um, teams have been doing this for years and actually had to finish seasons. Um, but Golden State doesn't have to. Um, I think that I don't know how, what it takes. Uh, I think it takes in Vegas one setting, no fans, TV only, TV radio, you know, TV broadcast to fans, radio broadcast to fans. Um, and I think that there's a chance that you try to move some of the playoffs into home arenas with crowds, depending on where we are uh, as a country in the summer heat. And do you support regular testing for the players who are involved? Um, uh, why would I not support it? Because some people don't have access to testing, at least. So that would have to be, you know, I'd have to understand that. We'd have to know at that time what our testing capabilities are, right? Right. right. You know, we're stuck at 150,000 a day. We don't seem to be able to break through that number right now. I'm hoping we're going to be able to break through that number at some point in time. And then if we're, you know, where we should be and should have been this whole time, then maybe it's not as big a question. Well, David, thank you as always for dropping by. We greatly appreciate it. It's always fun uh, jousting about a variety of topics. I, I particularly enjoyed this uh, visit on your part, David. Thank you for your common sense. 
Thank you for being my uh, spark, Jake. My pleasure. Fun. My pleasure, my friend. Hey, I'm glad to hear you guys are doing well. Congrats on the on the big day with the draft. Thank you. See you guys. See you. There you go. That's David Locke, of course, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, and he is the creator of the Locked On Podcast Network, and he's uh, he's got a lot out there locally and uh, across the country as well. Is any argument going to change your mind on this? Oh, no, because David wasn't right either. <laughs> Okay. What? Well, I mean, that's what makes the world go around. Difference of opinions, all right? He's a smart guy, you know, but we're not all 100 for 100. <laughs> you know what I was going to ask him about, and I keep forgetting every week, and, and maybe next time we have David on for an hour uh, or a little bit longer, I, I keep wanting to ask him to break down the T-shirt cannon episode from his perspective for you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that would be that would be kind of entertaining. Because I know that's that's quickly become one of your favorites. Well, I mean, it is it is kind of funny. Does he have a good sense of humor about that, or is uh, I think so? Is, I've, is heard that, talk, I've heard him talk. I've heard him talk about it before. Yeah, no, no, no. I I think he he talks about how it just goes to break so abruptly because I think he fell off his chair. See, that's what I say. We got to ask him about it. I think it I think it knocked him off his chair. Uh well, uh, all right. Well, I'm glad he wasn't seriously hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Good, because that—that's what I thought. So you're when not I first heard it. You're not wishing injury. I thought, oh my gosh, David. that's what he David. thought too. Strangely <laughs> enough, <laughs> I thought he's okay. Out now, one fifty-seven left. I didn't get to see the replay on that. We'll try to see if we can get it. When we come back. Jazz by nine. One fifty-seven left in the set. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I like to leave it at there. Amazing. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.